This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, the PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole, Midnight Carmody, and Ryan Gills Gilbert from the GPC Home Studios and Dog Spa. Hmm... Finally have warm weather. Um, it was uh, briefly in the 70s. It felt like spring, and now it's summer. Welcome to Kansas weather. Baseball with a big homestand. Victory, back-to-back, taking series against Oklahoma and West Virginia. Didn't sweep anyone. That would have been really nice. But I liked what they did against West Virginia. They blew an opportunity on Friday and came back one Saturday and Sunday. And the NFL draft looms. Just at the end of this week, do you care? I'm going to just kind of tune in to watch now that my Chiefs have traded their top pick mm. for a starting left tackle, which I approve of, by the way. I'm going to tune in on Friday and worry about Wyatt Hubert maybe on Saturday. We will see. We'll be tracking it all at GoPowerCat.com. Make sure you head on over and sign up. Or if you're not in a position right now to pay for a subscription, we do a lot of free content, including our daily deliveries and podcasts and our excerpts from these podcasts, the Fired Up, and the boys are grinding out all kinds of stuff. Head on over to GPC and read for free. But we also have some great VIP content coming over the weekend, preparing you as K-Staters for the draft. Well, we are sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. You know that damn well, and I still don't know why you don't go there every day. Every day, just go in there and say hi. Even if you live in Overland Park, just drive on. It's not that big a drive. Just drive down the road, go to the fridge, pick up a six-pack, and say hi, Kevin, hi, everyone, and drive back to Overland Park. It's that simple. It's the kind of sacrifice you need to make for the Manhattan economy. Make sure you head to Aggieville whenever you're in town. Stop by the Tanners and Hilo, our segment sponsors. Great people, great food, great atmosphere, but different places. One's a little more, I don't know, trendy. Zach, would you call Hilo trendy? Yeah. Kind of cool vibe in there. Great cool. pizza, great burgers. And, of course, Tanner's rocks as a sports bar, even though they don't have betting windows for Zach. <laughs> troubling. So troubling. Let's get going through questions from all about station. Guys, I don't even know who's reading. Who's reading? Do we have we even planned this? Oh, Lord, we don't have a plan. Gills. Gills has got the questions from all about station. Here we go. From Cliff Claven 754 how would you rate the overall talent level of the current K-State football roster versus the talent level 
in December of 2018. Significantly improved, slightly improved, about the same, or slightly worse? I think it's it's slightly better or above. And, I mean, start a quarterback. You know, instead of coming, a guy that's a sophomore, you now have a six-year senior. I mean, that's a huge upgrade for anyone's roster. If you have an experienced quarterback, that really helps a lot. You've got a dynamic playmaker at running back. But I think really where the most improvement lies is in the depth. I mean, we've seen it over and over. Last year, they go to Oklahoma. Their starting corners are out. Disaster is imminent, right? Well, they start a guy who, honestly, Echo Boydo on that day was the hugest question mark, I think, Kleiman's ever put on the field. You know, he was just forced to put a guy out there that honestly hadn't practiced that well, was slowly coming along. And ended up being a really good corner. One of those guys that once he started seeing live fire just really grew up quickly. So it's the depth. And, and Kleiman knew that when he arrived, when he replaced Snyder, that they had to build up the depth of the program. They just could not sustain the course of a season. And they ran into it last year when they had attrition through transfers and injury and covid They They just couldn't sustain it. But we had seen it under Coach Snyder for years. They would get off to a good start, and then the attrition would start in, and they'd lose some games, but they'd always find a way to finish strong despite that. But in some of their best seasons, going back to 2012, the injuries just kind of broke their back. They didn't have enough depth to overcome those things. So that's really been the key for climbing, just trying to get some key players you know, starting-wise. But having the depth to get through a Big 12 season is not easy for anyone, anyone, so if you have issues recruiting, uh, they really show up in those type of situations when you're running out of players. The way I see it is that 2018 team, it was kind of like the edge of a cliff. You know, everything was mostly okay, but you knew after that season things were going to drop off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, you kind of have that drop off, and that's what you kind of saw the first couple of years of climbing. You knew there was going to be a real rebuilding process, at least somewhat, when, with the recruiting depth and just the depth overall in the roster. And I feel like the, the team's probably getting back to a, a point that's close to what they were in 2018. It seems like they're improving, but I'd probably say that right now the talent level is still close to even. And then hopefully in the next couple of years we'll see more improvement and then you can say that, you know, the 2022-2023 teams are, are better than what they were in 18. I think if you look at the position players, skill position players, your answer is it's right there. It's it, I, I personally think it, it, it's definitely slightly improved. If not, you can go significantly improved because those guys that are playing are freshmen. They're sophomores. Take out Skylar Thompson and... You have a starting freshman quarterback last year in Will Howard. You have a starting freshman running back in Deuce Vaughn. Phillip Brooks is a sophomore receiver. Um, these guys are underclassmen that are outshining the guys that were on the roster when Chris Kleiman took over. So right now, I personally think that if you were to look at it, their ceilings are way higher. Is their talent level better than when he took over in 2018 right now yes i believe so but i think their ceiling is what uh is what should make this question really uh, answer itself is because their ceilings are way higher than the seniors that were on the roster when climate took over from itain bb is losing five straight games at the end of last year having a big impact on this year's recruiting i don't know that that's so hard to say 
I don't I don't know if it has or not. I mean, kids pick schools for a very variety of reasons. And and it might be because they've lost a bunch and they know they can come in and start. It can have a positive impact in some cases. I don't know. I I think it's probably had an impact on the current roster. I think they know what went wrong last year. They may not talk about it publicly, but they know that they've got to correct some things and get out there and become a better football team from top to bottom. But it's hard to say what is really impacting recruiting right now. I, I think the biggest impact on recruiting is is it's really crippling for a, a rural program, which is what Kansas State is. I mean, you know, when you're in a town of 50,000 people and you're two hours away from any form of metro, basically, you're a rural program. And, and the recruiting restrictions right now are really hurting programs such as K-State. I mean, you look at Iowa State. Yeah, Ames is the same kind of comparable town, but they've got Des Moines just 30 minutes down the road. So you've got a a plethora of players that's kind of a fun phrase, a plethora of players who can drive up and look around campus, and it's not a huge time commitment. Even for you think about it, even for a kid from Kansas City, you're going to drive an hour 45, two hours, come into Manhattan, spend a few hours, maybe go to Aggieville, grab a bite, drive two hours home. You, just, you spend a whole day, and you invested a whole day when maybe you've got baseball or some other sports commitment. But if you can just play your game and hop in a car with mom and dad and head up to Ames or, you know, down to Norman from Oklahoma City or even, you know, up to Stillwater from Oklahoma City, that's not that big a deal. It's really hurt Kansas State. And opening it back up in June is important and going to really help. But, man, it's it's really dinged the ability of this staff to recruit. I think more than more than the losses, I think that the, the loss of the bowl game impacted it a lot even if that would have been a six loss just being able to say hey we went to a bowl game you know we played in the postseason last season it just it didn't end it it didn't seem like there was a completion to the season it just kind of dropped off and no bowl game because of covid and and that was that you know there wasn't you know one way or another yeah i get they lost five straight games but there was no satisfying end you know even if they did lose that bowl game it's just you know it just it felt like it kind of just fell off at the end I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember last year as the year where K-State lost five straight games to end the season. I remember it for three things. A, it was the COVID year. B, they beat Oklahoma on the road. And C, they lost their starting quarterback. That's the only three things I think people are going to remember that season by. And I think two of those three things, if, if not all three of those things, can be used in recruiting to your advantage. You know, we beat Oklahoma on the road we've beaten oklahoma two straight years we've shown that we can beat the top teams in the conference why do we lose five straight games we lost five straight games because we didn't have our senior starting quarterback well what's another reason we lost five straight games oh well it was the covid year and i get that that might sound like excuses but i just have a huge feeling they are just using the heck out of these two straight oklahoma wins to the point where losing five straight games might not even be on on a recruit's mind when they're talking with this staff Agreed. You guys all brought up good points, and Cole, you kind of took my point with Oklahoma. I mean, they're just – that win over there in Norman, I think, outweighs any sort of losing streak. If you're trying to pitch to a young recruit, you know, hey, we can we can beat these, you know, teams that are going to the playoff every year and losing by 50 points in the first round. But, you know, we can get those big-time wins. I think that, that five straight losses isn't that big of a deal. And Fitz, I, I would go to answer the question your route with, with it being just – 
Manhattan's a tough place to to go. I mean, if Clemson or Iowa State or one of those schools sweeps in there, how can you say no if you're a recruit? Unless is this unless this has been your goal to go to K State for your whole life. It's it's just tough for K State to land these guys. I just think that's kind of a defeatist attitude, though. I mean, that's that's I know people get fired up when you know why can't K State compete with recruiting against these these bigger schools? And I understand that they're going to have disadvantages, but Chris Kleiman could recruit to Fargo, North Dakota, and True. if he can recruit to Fargo, North Dakota, there's no reason that he can't recruit to Manhattan, Kansas. And I honestly don't think he's doing that bad of a job recruiting. I just think they're kind of in a little rut right now, which happens. I mean, schools get into this cycle where it just seems like nothing good can happen, but all it takes is one recruit to commit, and then it just starts piling on in a good way. So I think they're going to be fine recruiting. I have faith in this staff to recruit. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I just I think as long as you know fans and and coaches can see the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to recruiting, this cycle is is not completely lost. Yeah, I I don't think it's hard to recruit to Manhattan, Kansas. Overall, I think it's hard to recruit to Manhattan, Kansas when the kids have to nickel pay the nickel to come and, mm-hmm. you know, not have an official visit. <clears throat> I I said it last week, and I, I think, was it King Jim that reiterated it, that their daughter came to Manhattan and mm-hmm. it had a great experience and loved the people. I just think we don't do a good job of selling this community. I saw someone on the, on the site talk about there's a great relationship between Manhattan and and the and the university. Zach, you're a Manhattan person. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I think there's too many olds, my age group in this community, that look down. They like the university. They don't like the students. They're loud in my neighborhood. Aggieville's a shithole. You know, I mean, they really have this attitude. Oh, the students are leaving in May. I get to go back to Aggieville and go to restaurants. I mean, I I get that. (laughs) It frustrates me because, you know what? In the middle of football season, if you want to go eat in Aggieville on a Friday night, you might have to stand in line. There might be more students, but generally you can find a parking spot. And you're not going to be surrounded by drunks at seven o'clock at night. In fact, if you want to go out with your buddies or, you know, your couples and go to Aggieville in the middle of school on a Friday or Saturday and you leave by 10 or 30, 11 to go relieve the babysitter, you're fine. You're not going to have any problem with mass crowds unless you're going to a really hot restaurant. Um, and there's just kind of the superior attitude about it. I've I've always thought that people in Manhattan appreciate the university. They don't appreciate the students. They don't don't understand what it means for the university to be here in terms of economic impact of, you know, their livelihood or whatever. I I want Manhattan to understand better how good things are with having Kansas State. Yeah, you know what? It was kind of nice during COVID when it was really quiet, but... You know, for a guy like me, I never made it out. I never got to enjoy it. I love this town. I love the university. I love the energy the students bring. Um, as someone who spent a lot of time in Aggieville around younger people that have a magical way of making you feel young and old at the same time. I, I was just recalling the time that you and Riley had me dab. We what? Was it dabbing? Was it? 
that? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant oh, okay. how many how many years ago? <laughs> and I felt so old at that moment. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. That was a long time ago. Dabbing hasn't been cool for like four years. <laughs> Dude, when you're 56, that's not that long ago, no. man. <laughs> uh, so, so, but hey, my point is. We need to appreciate how freaking cool this town is more. And if you live in Manhattan, you really need to, on a daily basis, understand how cool it is to live in this town. You have concerts. If you're into country western music, you can go see cool concerts when we get back to normal. You've got McCain where you can go to really cool events. You've got live sporting events that are nationally televised. You've got an incredible selection of locally owned restaurants and bars. There's no other place in Kansas that has what we have. And I, I'm including Lawrence because that Lawrence is now a suburb of Kansas City. Let's just be honest. It's, it's kind of you know out there a little bit, but it's part of Kansas City. I mean, I can get to the how far from Lawrence to the legends? I don't know. 15, 20, 25 minutes, 20 yeah. minutes. Not long. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Norman is, uh, Lawrence is Norman now. Right. That's what they That's are. exactly right. Now, what we have in Manhattan is just really cool. And I want Manhattan people to, to respect it and enjoy it and embrace it. But I want the coaches to really sell the crap out of it. Not just, hey, we're really friendly and we're good. Uh, you should be sitting on couches telling parents it's a magical, incredible place. It's a unique environment. You're not going to find many other places. And look at mom and say, I I'm going to look out for your kid. And so is the community. And if they make bad decisions, the bad news is. It won't be covered up. They will be held accountable. And you know what? If a mom looks at you and goes, well, I don't want that. You don't want that kid in your program. If they're raised fearful of accountability because everyone in town will know that they're a crap person, you don't want them, man. Keep working that angle that Manhattan is really an incredible, unique environment for a Power 5 institution. I just don't think anyone sells this community hard enough, and I'm I'm kind of fed up with it. It it's a great place, not for everyone, but for the kind of people you want in your athletic program. Yeah, it's a perfect place for. Them. I want to reiterate or uh, make a correction that it was Pain Train '95. Thank not, you. Not King Jim. King Jim is young. He doesn't. I don't think he has <laughs> kids, let alone kids old enough to go to college. Thank you, Pain Train. Yes. <clears throat> I, that explains why he's the pain train because he's got kids going to college. Yeah, that would really suck the life out of you. Fitz, I agree with you that you know Manhattan is special, but you have to imagine every other school is saying the exact same thing about their town, right? Well, so how do yeah. you actually get to? Well, that's you know, the thing. You're on a visit. You can't just go to Aggieville and you know. You pick with the coaches. I don't know. You like pick that, up but, a vibe when you're in okay. a town. I mean, if you're self-aware at all, you'll understand. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, so it's just a matter of getting them to the town you're saying. And that's what they're not able to do right now. That's That gets right back to my point. They're not able to get them into town. In some ways, if they can make it to town and do their own thing, they'll know they're not being shown what the coaches want them to see. They're seeing what anyone else coming to town would be, and I guess that's good. But, yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it's crippling right now that they can't 
bring people in, help them come to Manhattan to see what a place it is. But uh, I agree with you. And everyone's going to sell it. Everyone's going to say family. But are you going to feel it when you're in town? So uh, just uh, people, Manhattan, love what you got here, man. Even if you got annoying rentals around your house or you want to go to Taco Lucha and it's always crowded. I got news for you. You can move to a non-college town. You won't have rentals around you. You might have a meth lab. <laughs> but you won't even have places like Tanner's Taco Lucha or So Long Saloon or any of that. Those are all Bourbon and Baker going downtown. Wine Dive. Town of 50,000 people. You don't have that kind of depth in your entertainment and dining selections. From Contra Cat, with Virginia Tech throwing down a $30 million gauntlet toward football, what would you do with that money for K-State? My question was, I, honestly, I saw the headlines and I read a little bit. It's not a $30 million ongoing outlay, is it? I think it's endowment. There was something endowment with it. I'm not entirely certain of what the... If it's a one-time investment... And you're going to up some salaries and add some more positions. I get it. If you're increasing your football budget by $30 million, you're freaking stupid. Now, this is, this is so difficult for me because I look at these things as a business person and not just a fan. Well, that's really cool. Where's this money come from? I mean, if if you have that money laying around, I guess my question isn't, why you're doing it is why you're doing it now. Why haven't you been doing it if you could add that much? I mean, it seems like a confession that we've been half-assing it in football, and now instead of increasing the budget $5 million a year for, you know, a six-year period, we're just going to do it all at once because we've been half-assing it. I don't know how you sustain that and put that into your budget. That That's just a radical, radical increase. It's $30 million invested into football salaries, support roles, and recruiting staff. So that's ongoing. It's part of a $400 million fundraising um, venture, which to me says, you're right, we're accepting we've been mediocre, and now we're trying to fix that. But $30 million for coaches, to me anyway – I don't know what that's going to do. I, sure, you can hire some more assistant coaches. You can maybe help with the recruiting aspect part of it. But at the end of the day, it's about getting the players and winning the games. And I don't know if salary necessarily has a big play on that, especially at Virginia Tech. My thing is you're taking fundraising dollars to pay salaries. I get paying a buyout with, with donor money, but using – money that was just given to the university for salaries you know those salaries have to get replenished year in year out that's my point it's about revenue when it comes to salaries when you're paying someone on a continuous basis so i yeah it seems nice to be able to put 30 million dollars into into staff and k-state certainly needs more staff but i think you can probably spend 30 million dollars over x amount of years better than the way that it seems like Virginia Tech is going to do it, but it's all about revenue for me for salaries. Let me let me just ask you two young guys a question, without disclosing what I pay you per hour. But if if I ten cents ten cents if I up that to twelve cents an hour, 
Would you do a better job? Would you be better at your job? No. Well, this is one of the the weirdest things about college athletics. Oh, coach did a good job. We better give him a raise. I understand if you want to hang on to him. I get that. But, well, we're not competitive because we don't pay our head coach enough. Well, if you pay him more, is he going to do a better job? I don't understand how that works. Mm-hmm. Has he not been working hard enough because you only were paying him $1.5 million, but he would work harder for two? I don't get that. And Zach's exactly right. That's a $30 million thing you have to replicate year after year. <clears throat> I would predict in five years they'll be getting jobs. They won't be able to sustain that. Now, if the $400 million is all going into an endowment to pay those ongoing, that's one thing. But is that a good use? Couldn't you do more with having some salary increases and then, you know, a few positions? I mean, look, if you're talking about recruiting, what are you paying these people? I mean, if if you're paying $60,000 a year for recruiting guys, which means people that are aspiring to be coaches but are on the early legs of their career, that's a pretty damn good job, particularly if you're just out of school and you're going to help out recruiting – do you need 50 of those guys? Shit, that'd be 500 of those guys. How many zeros? 6,600,000? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me because it's not about the coaches. The kids don't come because of the coaches. If kids will, if kids went to KU to play for less miles, you put that $30 million into something, into your stadium, into something, into your practice facility, to your uniforms, to some all of that combined to try and get the kids here and say this is what we have this is not who we have so to me if I, i'm in charge of this mythical 30 million dollars for k-state i'm putting it in to the veneer complex i'm putting it in to black uniforms to purple helmets to something else to try and get the kids to say oh. this is what we have come here that's what i'm oh, I doing i disagree with half most of what you said i think i think you you got to at least take a little bit of that money and add positions if you if you are going to use that for salaries or if you're getting 30 million dollars there's no there's no renovations you can do to a facility that would put more boots on the ground in the veneer complex to get more eyeballs on kids that they should be right getting on a campus watching film k-state is undermanned right now when it comes to recruiting absolutely across the board i'm not saying increase your salaries i'm just saying keep an eye if you're if you're a virginia tech reporter i would be keeping a keen eye on what happens to existing salaries we're going to up our football salaries. what does that mean athletic director is ultimately in charge of football is he going to get a 50 percent raise does that make your program better the head coach is going to get a 25% bump. All the all the assistant coaches get a 20% bump. Is that going to make your program better? It might make you able to hire a higher level of assistant, but just bumping the guys you have, that doesn't make sense to me. They already work for you. And how many positions could you possibly add in support and not have a major construction project because they have to work somewhere? I mean, that's just my thing. Is I, I, I say this about Kansas State. I think they need to take the East Stadium, the East Stadium, and build a, an athletics structure over there. Solve the hideous backside of that with a new athletics department, Hall of Fame, everything. You can get money to do that. 
to build a Bill Snyder Hall of Fame and an Athletics Hall of Fame on the two different ends of people coming in through the grand entryway and up above is all the athletic departments and a, and a grand ticket office right there on that side of the stadium and clear out the third floor, what is athletics administration, and turn it into football and start add some more meeting spaces that are more convenient, you know, mid-size convenient spaces and a lot more. You should have a floor of recruiting, right? I'd have a floor of recruiting. Here's your virtual reality room. This is, kid, this is what it's like to walk, run onto the field. That was an idea that was shelved, and I don't think we'll ever see the light of day. Guys, that's really cool. You want to you wanna communicate how badass Kansas State is, and, and you can show them video of what it's like during the Wabash Cannonball and everyone's charged on the field, or you can put on a virtual reality suit a headgear and you know everything you need to really experience that you're gonna pee your pants man it's badass i know i know coming on the field at a lot of stadiums is cool but there's something about kansas state it just there really is so i would take that third floor and turn it into recruiting floor and maybe some more analysts I said it last week. If you're going to spend all this time and all this effort to go into the portal, you better have guys that are in charge of the portal. Almost like baseball scouts. I, I hate to say exactly. it. That's what, that's what we're going to have. You know what? I'm going to start watching. I'm going to start watching. Let's pick a program here. Let me pick. Uh, what's a really good Mac program right now? Central Michigan, are they uh, good still? Buffalo, uh, Buffalo first, is pretty good. Central Michigan was the first one that came to mind. Yeah, I don't know if they're good. I'm, I'm just going to pop in a tape and, and watch a few things here. Just going to pop in, you know. Okay, this player jumped out of me. This player jumped out of me. This player jumped out of me. Okay, now I've got this list, and I've done that with I've just been watching various games. This player looks like you play here. This player, it's illegal to go contact their coach. You know, their high school coach. In basketball, they're AU because you can't, you're not supposed to do that. It happens. You're not supposed to do that, so I certainly don't endorse that. But, hey, this kid from Central Michigan's in the portal. He's on my list. Now, let's go really break down some film. You need a whole staff to do it. So I understand what Virginia Tech's doing, but to sustain that over the course of a long term, yeah. By the way, you talked me into it. I'm changing my answer. I like that idea. <laughs> they, they built this incredible football structure and put athletics administration in it. Yeah. That was the definition of John Curry. Gene Taylor, you need to solve that. Not that the football staff is doing anything bad. Not that they're cheating. Not that they don't want the, the leering eyes of athletics on them at all times. But that should be a football and athlete structure. You've got the study table in there so other athletes go in. You got the little bar thing down there with Gatorade or whatever. That's for all athletes. Uh, but I'm telling you, you don't need your athletics administration in there. Because you know what those guys are? Those guys are fans. They're fans. At the end of the day, they're fans. They want to go talk to the coaches and they want to you know, you know, bug people and catch you in the hallway. What's up, Taylor? What's going on, man? What's going on? And ultimately, they turn into leaks. So little Bill Snyder and me comes out, and that's why he opposed it. If you want information to stay in-house, you want to be able to control your information, yeah, we want this out. No, we don't want that out. Get your damn athletic department out of your football facility and build this, them something really cool, really showy. Ellen, help you recruit good athletic administrators. They deserve a little love, too. 
But the Hall of Fames, all of those things benefit fans and recruiting. Right back to recruiting. It's, you know, your Bill Snyder Hall of Fame. Maybe that's just a greater football Hall of Fame. How do you, they're totally inseparable to me. But that should be on the, if they're going to move the practice facilities across the street, a grand athletic facility, a mini version of the veneer complex on that side should be, should be up, should be a possibility. And maybe it wraps around the side so you can have another party deck over there above where the band is. I don't know. Uh, let's move on. Moving on, I guess, going off of that from Kaned, should endowing additional football staff be added to the roster, pardon me, to the master plan and be moved to the front of the line after the practice facility? No, they got to get the practice facility. The practice facility is the domino. You got to have the practice facility built so that you can clear the space to make the old practice facility your indoor track facility and use the fields now for the field events and track um, because the cat town is your shot put hammer throw area, I believe. Um, so you got to clear that out and then you can build volleyball where that is. It's a domino. You got to get the practice facility done so everything else can start clicking into the place. And uh, so you put facilities over additional football staff right now like practice facilities first on the list here he says that you know after the practice facility well are you doing football staff or I, you no doing... i would do yeah i would do football staff okay. next i mean look renovating these don't have to be in order i mean renovating the football indoor facility into your indoor track yeah it'll cost money but what in the grand scheme of an athletic budget what Five million, you know? Oh, no. No way. I mean, Washburn just built the coolest indoor football, indoor track facility. Washburn. And uh, my buddy Bruce Steinbrock, who used to be in radio and now is in fundraising, would constantly tweet out, or maybe it was Facebook, I can't remember, the progress of the facility. It was really cool to watch him build an indoor track facility so much better than anything K-State has at Washburn. So, yeah, you can get that done. You can, you can do that same time. And plus, what are you going to tell a donor? I would like to donate $3 million towards the volleyball facility because Tim Fitzgerald just won the lottery. <laughs> well, we're not doing that yet. Okay. Well, I'm going to go to Hawaii instead buy a house. I mean, you're going to take the money and build the damn thing. Last question of the first half from Pain Train 95. Would it make more sense to hire more recruiting staff than to hire Ben Newman to get everyone pumped up. I would think so, but we don't know who pays Ben Newman. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. Is it, if it, if it comes from Chris Kleiman and if, which we suspect if Ben Newman is a consultant quote unquote to Chris Kleiman and Kleiman pays him out of his own pocket, there's not really much you can do about that other than Chris Kleiman telling Gene Taylor, Hey, reduce my salary and give me more staff. And honestly, I'll get rid of Ben Newman. And I just don't see that happening. He's not paying out of his, his own pocket he's paying out of his own llc so he's he's expensing that out the cost of doing business to be the head coach we just need to ask that question who pays ben and if and if the answer is athletics let's foil that crap okay because didn't he work for alabama too he works for everybody 
He works, Michigan State. He works for a lot of schools. UFC fighters. He's, he's an advisor. I always see him wearing purple, though. He uh, oh, he's he. He's and Clyde, he this isn't just a job for him. Him and Chris are tight. I mean that. This is uh, this is family to him. So he has invested more in this than than other places. Other places, he's more of a motivational guy. Would you agree that that the kid sees that and says that might be interested? That might be something that ticks a kid's interest is seeing Ben Newman do that kind of stuff. I mean, I would suspect that they use him when it comes to recruiting, at least say, Hey, I mean, we have this guy that helps with workouts, you know, can help you with team bonding, that kind of stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if they use him in some recruiting. I would, I would think if he's not on the K-State athletic staff, he can't be involved in recruiting in any way. No way. I I mean, they might be able to mention him. Yeah. They might be able to, he might be able to be around, but he can't make, he can't, talk to recruits i don't be even shaking a hand on the sideline yeah i don't think i don't know how he's classified by the university so i think it's a question to ask That's but a, well, yeah but if you want to if he is a university employee if we want to call it that if the university is directly paying him who's to say his benefit in the locker room is better or worse than what they could do on the, you know, using that money on recruiting. I mean, I think they should, if, if that's the case, I think they should be spending on recruiting, but you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know how many extra wins Ben Newman provides K-State football. I agree. I totally agree. And if you want to read the book, pound the stone, seven lessons to develop grit on the path to mastery, it was published in 2017 by Joshua Metcalf. Just saying. He's got a hammer and a stone right there on the cover. That's the book. I think I know someone who bought that book. That's it for the first half of the Power Cap Podcast. We'll be back on the other side with more of your questions from Wah Bash Station. GoPowerCat.com's Power Cat Podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And, of course, our segment sponsors are Tanners and The High Low. Make sure you support Manhattan businesses when you come to town. If you're in town, do so. Please do so. Support our sponsors. Tell them you heard them on the PowerCat podcast. Guys, what do you think of the new creepy voiceover guy? He sounds really good. You just like it because he said your name first. (laughs) So I was thinking about this. Our our previous voiceover guy was Tom Martin, 
who was at KCTV5 when we hired him. But soon after, he went to Let It Fly Media. Mm -hmm. Tom's just the best. And and honestly, his voice is great. It's awesome. But that was like four years ago when we had Tom do that. Like two years ago? Mm Mm-mm. It was Mm-mm. it was after it was after we went Riley and I went to San Jose and hung out with him. It was after that. What year was that? 2019 for no. the Sibley tournament. Yeah. Yeah, it's been only a couple of years. I don't think you're right. Anyhow, um we now have Cole hosting stuff, Gills hosting stuff. Some of the so we need a new voice work. So instead, I hired a Artificial intelligence. I outsourced my job. That's how it works nowadays. That guy's a weird name. I can't remember what it was. Billy Joey. Is that Billy Joey. <laughs> yeah, it's like Billy Joel. But That's what I thought it was. Changed it. <laughs> Who came up with that? Billy Joey. I wonder if they had like two AIs that combined into one to get that voice. Can we call him Ricky Bobby? Ricky. Yeah, Bobby. I think it's. I think it's a play on. Of, you should look at all the other names of what they're the all single are. names. They aren't. No, nope. they don't nope. possibly allude to someone being famous. Nope, nope, I don't think so. But yeah, this enables us to do things on the fly and change. And it's a little, it's a, it's a pretty damn good AI voice, though. I got to tell you that. Find a British one to have that. I, I did test around for the female ones to see if there's any good ones, and they they weren't. They, mm. Yeah, because uh, I thought it'd be fun to. Have, and here's your host. Ryan Gilbert. <laughs> Play into his ego. I don't know. But anyhow, where I was going with that is uh, we debuted the new voiceover talent with Cole's podcast with BJ Kissel, who also works for Let It Fly Media. <laughs> There's something weird about that. Let's get going with the second round of questions. Ryan Gilbert. From I Like Pickles Cat, I agree with your name, image, and likeness thoughts from last week. It seems to me, however, that the schools that are creative and embracing of players wanting to build their brands will be the ones who are advantaged. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. K-State, back in December, they announced a partnership with Open Doors, which Chris Coots, he used to be in the athletic department at K-State. He's moved there, and he's working with K-State now, you know, in that partnership. So, um, you know, K-State, even though it's not legal yet k-state has already partnered up a lot of other schools are partnering partnering up with these name image and likeness so does companies so to speak i don't really know how to describe them but it's about creating these brands for the players and being able to capitalize on it i agree too i think um there's going to be a lot of schools that are very hesitant to uh go out and do this i think if k-state wants to be uh, on the top tier, as far as this goes, they got to be out in front. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to come from uh, an athletic department, if that's going to come from a university, or if that's going to come from an individual team. Um, but if they want to take advantage of it, they need to be in the lead on this. It's going to be interesting to see if a company like the one I just mentioned, Let It Fly Media, if that's something they eventually delve into. That's what, that's what everything BJ said in, in the podcast. He made it sound like, they were going to get involved with okay, good. college athletes. Just doubted myself. I haven't listened to the whole podcast. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, and honestly, in this area, the biggest thing would be KU basketball. I mean, they're just they're, they're national profile guys. Eventually, K State will have more. I mean, Deuce Vaughn might be there pretty soon. He's listed early on Heisman list, which is crazy to me. But um, you know, you got to 
for them to get involved, I think you'd have to be a national profile. But I'm excited to see where this takes us. It's a it's a wild frontier, and I agree with you guys. K-State needs to get out in front of this. I mean, the instinct of all Big 12 institution is, institutions are, well, let's see what happens and wait a few years, and then they're, they're lost. They've lost the battle. So get in front of it. This is going to be a land rush to, you know, once it becomes 100% legal or whatever, I mean, there's going to be guidelines, and I think that schools getting out in front of it like this, partnering with companies, you know, trying to figure out these approved sources potentially of income for these student athletes. I mean, we'll get into it in the next question, but it's not going to be the, it's not going to be a complete wild, wild West where, you know, boosters can just come in and pay somebody for, for nothing. It'll be regulated. Go ahead and ask the next question. I'd I'd like a booster to pay me. Go ahead. (laughs) For nothing. I'm good at nothing. (laughs) Go ahead ahead and ask the next question because I'll get into that more. From WCAT, the NIL discussion last week focused on the value of the player in marketing. How about boosters that don't care about marketing but only want to pay to keep the player happy and on the roster? A school like Texas has many more wealthy boosters than K-State. That's a fear, but it's, you know, uh, that's why – the NCAA and the institutions push back on it. You're going to have to be careful with that. Uh, I don't. You just. It's not a reason to object to this. The biggest thing for me is: can players control their own image and likeness? Can Skylar Thompson put out Sky Seven T-shirts? I'll yeah. Email Skylar about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, in the past he couldn't. He couldn't. Profit off of his own image, which is insane, just crazy. I, I don't know, guys. I all I know is if I was trying to keep an eye on this, you mentioned the land rush. Keep an eye on Oklahoma. They have a history of cheating in these things. Mm, they they like to get there sooner than everyone else, mm. which is you know kind of how they got their mascot because they're cheaters. I'm sorry, I lost it. I'm back. I don't think this should not be a worry. I, I, I don't think that, that that will be to me, that will be like rule number one, because you can still be an amateur in my mind and pay for your for your own likeness. Um, but you're not paying. You're not you're not getting or excuse me, get paid for your own likeness. You're not getting paid for your likeness just because a booster wants you around and wants you happy. You're there getting needs paid to be for a, your performance. There needs to be a transaction a for both parties to benefit. Paying somebody – boosters didn't get rich by being stupid with their money. No. They aren't stupid people. They're not going to pay Skylar Thompson $500,000 because he throws a football yeah. on 13 right. Saturdays a year. There are people that will do that, though. I, there's no doubt in my mind that there are boosters that say, well, we want this guy to stay one more year. You know, look at – you know, uh, uh, one and dones. I think that's going to be a way of the past year pretty soon because I think the NBA is going to open it up to high schoolers. But, you know, say Deuce Vaughn wants to go to the NFL and it just all lines up perfectly to where there's a booster that comes into Deuce Vaughn and says, hey, I'll give you $5 million to stay one more year. That's more than you'll make your first year in the NFL. You can stay. Now, I think there will be people uh, that do that. I don't know. $5 million no. at K-State, no. At Alabama, also no. 50. No. 50,000. <laughs> oh. Not million. <laughs> We're talking Look, millions. I, I agree. Um, the thing about it is when universities claim, well, we had no idea. 
Look, boosters aren't just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're they're buying clout for themselves. Mm-hmm. They, it's the same as social media. They want the clout because the coaches know and the athletic department knows, yeah, Tony gave him 100K to stay another year. They know, man. No once in a while, I'm sure you got someone rogue that's just being a dumbass. But Zach's right. They don't just invest the money to make a kid stay, to make it better. They want credit for it. So athletic departments will know. You know, the, with the success of the transfer portal, it wouldn't surprise me if there was another portal in the, in the works, the NIL portal, where every player's in it. And it may be, you know, take a company like Open Doors or, you know, whoever else these universities partner with. You have to go through them, report what you want to do and make the request. And that's where the, the transaction goes down. You know, I think there's going to be a reporting requirement as far as what the money is, you know, that these student athletes are getting paid. I don't think there's going to be any sort of, you know, backroom deals for hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, like, like everyone's fears. I just, there's, there's going to be with, with name, image, and likeness. I think it's mostly focused on the athletes. It's up to them to create their value. And I don't think that there's going to be a lot of, of big companies or big boosters trying to come out and, and pay them thousands of dollars for, for nothing. So everything's going to be out in the open. I think you don't think if, for example, when Jalen Hurts entered into the transfer portal and he could go to any school in the country, that there would be boosters that said, hey, come to my school and I'll well, slip I have you no $30,000 or, you know, X amount of dollars. I have no I mean, doubt yeah, there that probably is. To, that would happen today. But now it's about where can I get the most value? Because at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts would create the value with well, he his would, persona. Oklahoma could say, you can come here. We'll give you this amount of money and we'll give you – it's like like a but, shoe deal. You know how like in, in professional sports, you, a shoe deal, but you something can't, like that. Like a, a school like Oklahoma, you can't promise anything because these are just – these are own your personal deals. It's like personal endorsements. Like, hey, come to my school. You might be able to get a deal with Nike or a deal with Gatorade or a deal with whoever. You know, it's just, it's all these these might be's. You know, the you're not going to be directly paying players. I mean, that's still going to be illegal. It's all about what the value the student athlete can create for themselves. And if that means, you know, showing up on a car commercial for Briggs, like we mentioned last week, or doing something else, you know, that's where that's where the value is. You know, there's a transaction of, you know, there's an exchange of services for money, you know, with with boosters, you know. There's no real exchange other than, mm-hmm. hey, they came to my school, I spent money on it, and hopefully they turn out where I get no return. Or maybe they get to go to a national championship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I don't think it's as big of a deal as what people think it's going to be. It's all on the athlete. You're going to be allowed to make money based on your own person. And that's, that's where 99% of money is going to come from or be made. My take is... You look at like with Kansas and Adidas and the the money that was being funneled, you know, from the Gasnola guy. That's more of an issue than a random old booster. I I don't see the the random old booster giving a ton of money. I can see, however, Bill Self. You know, and I don't know the whole case situation that well, but you know, with Adidas funneling the money, that's the bigger issue than the donors and the boosters, whatever. Clout. Adidas wants the clout. Mm-hmm. That's that's again. Well, we didn't know they were doing that. <laughs> what? 
Why are they doing it then? I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to get kids to go to a specific school based on the fact you're in Adidas school. That's why they're doing it. They, they're getting clout. They're buying value to you by doing this to get a player. And it's just silly that they try to deny they know it. Deny you know it? It's freaking incredible for you. Of course you know it. Oh, boy. I'm going to get fired up, Zach. Oh, I'm gonna, are you going to gonna keep that in? That you're going to get fired up after you've already been fired up? <laughs> I'm going to put the fact that I'm going to get fired up in a piece of content called Fired Up. Okay. Do you put us in the fired ups? I don't. Truthfully, I don't read them. Nope. Well, Not yet. What? Why do you hurt my feelings? You should read everything. I just tweet them. Nah, look. What was Zach's rant that should have been put in? The was road, it in overtime. The road. I think it was after. I think we were off the air. <laughs> <laughs> no, there. There were once in a while. I mentioned you in today's fired up about the uh, Super League. Super League, because. Uh, I had to set it up that you answered the actual question. And oh, then okay. I, then I brought it back. I didn't put your answer in. Oh. Mm. Oh. That's not okay. the point. You, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about me. It's about your opinion. Tim okay. Fitzgerald. He's the grand poobah. The grand poobah. The king crab. The crusty mm. crustacean. All of those things. All right. Next question from Mountain Dew Cat 74. Will a new draft streak start this year? Oh, I think so. I think Wilder will get drafted. I mean, the discussion about him was really accurate. I mean, Wyatt wasn't going to improve his stock. There was nothing he could really do to I – mean, he wasn't going to get 50 sacks. I mean, come on. It, it was only – what he could improve himself was probably offset by the the fact that he could blow out a knee and make himself far less valuable. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not too worried about that, I think he'll get drafted. It's got to be the right team that has the right fit for a guy that isn't really an edge rusher, isn't really a linebacker. I don't know where he's going to fit, but he can play. He plays extremely hard. He he does some freakish athletic things that are pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's going to get drafted. It's going to be on day three probably. Might creep into the sixth or seventh round. But some will take him. He's, he he makes plays. I think it's going to be a sweaty wait for for Wyatt to get drafted. Unfortunately, I think yeah. it'll it'll be later than sooner. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can call it a streak after one year. I mean, they, I don't know what's happening next year. I'm more I'm more confident this year right now than I am about next year as far as as who's going to get drafted. But you know, I think there's there's a chance the streak could start again, but. I don't know how long that streak's going to be. I think two guys from K-State are going to get drafted this year. Um, I think Briley Moore is going to get drafted as well. I look at Briley Moore as a guy that fits into any NFL offense uh, that he goes into. And I called this as soon as he set foot on campus that first game started making catches. I mean, that looks like a guy that the Chiefs could use. And I know that um, they're in the market for another tight end and that he just seems like the perfect type of player that – the Chiefs usually pick. They like to take the hometown kids, and they need a number two tight end. Um, he's a very good receiver, so it wouldn't surprise me to see the Chiefs take a flyer on Briley Moore. I know that they've also been rumored to be on in on Wyatt Hubert, but again, I actually think Wyatt Hubert has more upside than a lot of um, people think. I think he can 
let's face it, his biggest his biggest weakness. Would you? I don't know if you guys would agree with me on this or not. Is was stopping the run, um, and I think it's a lot easier to get better than get better at that in the NFL than it is to get better at rushing the passer. And he faced a lot of double teams, a lot of double teams last year. I think Wyatt can have a very successful NFL career. I'm worried about him becoming a Duke Shelley or an Elijah Lee. You know, just a guy that's on the roster and most of the time on the game day roster and may even play a little bit, but basically a non-factor. You know, that's that's what I worry about with Wyatt. And I, I don't want to call him, you know, a potential bust, but because, I mean, he's he was so good at K-State and he deserves to go play well in the league. But until he's there, until we see where he lands and, and how they feel about him, I'm I'm just I'm worried about him. I'm probably more confident in Bradley Moore having a better NFL career especially if he gets drafted than I am Wyatt Hubert at this point. Yeah. I, I think somebody had, I think somebody had Bradley Moore as number five on their, yep. their draft board. I'm I don't just, know. I can't think of who the guy was, but I saw it on Twitter for Titans. Yeah. I'm looking at a uh, last word on sports. I've never really heard of them before, but they have him as a six round pick. So, well, you never heard of him because to the last you nah. click on other things first. <laughs> um, I, I think someone out of this group is going to surprise us. Elijah Sullivan, not saying drafted, Thing sticking around. I mean, he kind of fits the mold of a guy who Elijah Lee that'll go in and play a lot of special teams, kind of fit a specific need. Great athlete, again, play a lot of special teams, can fill in at linebacker. Maybe he's a safety. And remember that experiment in the last game that really worked out well. Um, but yeah, it someone will surprise you. There's some dudes out there. There's always a guy that's like, oh, he's never gonna make it, you know, and then. Reggie Walker, the first, the original Reggie Walker, played seven years in the league, was a better NFL guy than a college guy. That just happens. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm i really hopeful for Wyatt. He's an incredible young man. I hope he finds the right place. And really, it's about the right place. You could be good enough to play in the league, but not with the five teams you you tried out for or went to camp with in the course of your career. But there was a team out there that never signed you that – you would have slid right in and fit. There's so much luck in it. It just really is. I think if we're looking at as far as the draft streak, getting back to the question, you have some early candidates. Um, I think all on the defensive side of the football and uh, Boom Massey and Jerron McPherson. But other than that, I mean, I can't really think of anybody else at the top of my head. I wouldn't. Uh, those are very outside shot. Those are those are undrafted free agent signings. I think both of them that, will have a chance. That'll be first round of cuts come training camp. I think I think both of those guys have a chance to get drafted if they have really successful. Yeah, like Justin seasons. Gardner, maybe he runs well enough at six two that the NFL will take him. You know, I don't know. It's is Josh Revis a senior next year, mm-hmm. or will he get take an extra year with COVID? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, maybe somebody on the offensive line. Who knows? I I don't know if I don't know. I really it, it a Starks. A streak starting this year is dependent on what happens next year. I mean, Malik Knowles, too, I know. I know Malik Knowles has aspirations to play in the NFL. And, again, I think that's another one of those guys who has projectable intangibles. But he's got to produce on the field. And will that happen? I don't know. We all have seen different results from Malik Knowles. From El Camino Cat, is it better to go drafted in the seventh round to a specific team or to have your choice as an undrafted free agent? Oh, undrafted free agent every day. That gets back to my point. 
I mean, you get to pick your team then. Your agent will be pretty well plugged into who needs what and might get you to the right spot. I think I'd say even six round. I don't know what the money is, but long term, I think we've seen the NFL move away from a reluctance to keep the six round pick over the free agent just because you invested a pick. They're willing to, you know, say, hey, you didn't make it, man. You didn't cut it. You didn't get it done. So I'm. I'm all for it. I mean, I'd want I'd want that if got into the day two, or excuse me, day three is halfway over. Four and five's gone. I'm open for free agency. Oh, that'd be cool to hear your name, wouldn't it? I'd rather be drafted. Yeah, it's just cool. It's just cool, man. Yeah, particularly you're, you're waiting around at the house. Yeah, it's day three, but you got your friends, your family there, and you're watching ESPN or NFL Network, and you get a phone call, and it just seems like an exciting moment. Who, call, who calls the seventh round pick? Like the the assistant to the assistant player personnel director assistant? I'm sure, it's the GM. Okay, whatever. They only make what's on average seven picks a day, or for the for the draft. It's not like it's that hard to call up seven guys. I think say, I, hey, you're joining us. Congrats. I think it matters what organization you get drafted to. Quite honestly, if the Chiefs value enough to take you in the sixth or the seventh round. I'd rather go I'd, – I'd be happy to be in an organization like that. Or same thing with the Patriots, you know, these organizations that are well run. But if the Chicago Bears take you, if the New York Jets take you, I might be a little bit more hesitant. Mm-hmm. Seventh round, Jacksonville calls. Don't answer. <laughs> Don't. No. Don't answer. Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, that'd be fun. Come on. No. It's not going to work. It might work if it's in London. Mm-hmm. You're calling Trevor bu- Trevor Lawrence a bust right now? I'm saying I don't care how good you are if you're not in the right system. Okay. It's Urban Meyer. I That's not going to work. I don't think it's going to work either. I think it's going to be a mess. Well, I'll go opposite, you guys. I think it'll work. I think you'll be an NFL quarterback. I'm not confident I'll be in Jacksonville. I think. We might see what we're seeing now. A lot of guys that were going to be great quarterbacks, maybe not Trevor Lawrence, get traded. Sam Darnold. Couple, yeah, a couple of years down the Jared road. Jared Goff. Jared Goff was. Carson Wentz. Jared was going to be a superstar. Went to a Super Bowl. And then. He got rid of him three points. Wick. That tells me there's more than just X's and O's going on. Well, he was available in that last playoff game, and they didn't even really play him, did they? There's something going on. I think dude has a higher IQ than Jared Goff. Dude, what do you think? Oh. <laughs> he did flinch. He flinched. I don't know. I think he might have had a small stroke, but that's okay. Last question of the podcast from WTDD, which stands for Win the Dang Day, if you didn't know, 2001. Oh, who would know that? <laughs> God. How does Kansas State baseball get into a regional this year? What situation would have to occur? Um, this weekend we talked about it in the very, Fitz talked about in the very beginning, um, was good and it was bad. It was good because they won two out of three. It was bad because the way they lost on Friday night should have been a win. So that hurts K-State just because you let one slip away and it might not seem like it, but a sweep compared to taking two out of three in college baseball is enormous. I think K-State can still make a regional this year, 
but they have to have some magic happen and they have to win tonight we're recording this on tuesday they they they, it's not a must win game but this is their only non-conference game that they have the rest of the season that's going to give them any credit whatsoever they play missouri so if you can get that win and then you play texas southern who lost arkansas pine bluff Mm -hmm. in two series they played them twice and lost both times they played two series and lost two out of three twice and K-State beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yes. Okay. And Arkansas Pine Bluff is the worst Division One team <laughs> in all of college baseball. They have two wins. They lost Oklahoma State 26 to nothing. Or 22 to nothing. They lost Arkansas 26 to nothing. And Texas Southern is worse than them. Correct. Oh, boy. Wow. they got to have more than but two wins. They yeah, they got to have more than two. Well, they have 10 the wins. They have 10 wins, but just uh, I'm assuming Pine Bluff has their number for whatever reason. I am kind of lost right here. Who's the worst team in, base- in college baseball? Pine Bluff. You just said Texas Southern was the worst team. Yeah. I, didn't, I said Pine Bluff was the worst team in college. But they beat Texas Southern. Texas okay. Southern. Hold on. You're our baseball expert. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Basically, they need to win all the four of these They games. need to win this week. They need to They need to beat Missouri on Tuesday night and then sweep Southern in. At home, yes, at this home. weekend. And then they play Baylor, which, okay, is, Baylor. The biggest, which okay. is the biggest series in forever. Yeah. Baseball guy, t- answer me this. Will they pitch their main three guys against Southern? They should. Maybe just like three innings or just keep them. Well, this is where it gets interesting because Carson Seymour struggled on Sunday mightily. And it would not surprise me if Casey Ford ends up pitching on the weekends before the season's over. But you want to keep Carson Seymour in the rotation because you play Texas Southern this weekend. Right. So that is a confidence booster right there. Right. So I would throw him out there again. But just Casey to see Ford out of that bullpen has been huge, man. You just at the way the conference is winding down, you just can't afford to get in that early hole because you don't know if you're going to have enough to come back. And Carson Seymour could be an effective reliever if he throws strikes, but that's a big if. So I think for K State to win a regional, they almost have to win all their conference series the rest of the way. Unless they sweep Baylor, then you can afford to drop two or three to TCU. Other than that, you have to do that, and then you probably have to sweep KU. So it's an uphill battle. Man. You have to win two out of three on average the rest of the way in conference play to get to 500. Right. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of work to do. And then they, if they get to 500, they probably need to win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament. Mm. What's that format this year? I believe it's still double elimination. Double elimination. Top eight teams go. Got so. rid of group play a while ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that right? They mixed it up. They're going to have a taco eating contest also. So you can get out of loser's bracket by eating more tacos. If there's a clam chowder eating contest, I think Pete Hughes would win it. God, he's so Boston. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, my God. I love him. I, I'm rooting for him so much. He loves K-State. He, I, I miss the Friday press conferences. Cole texted us in the middle of the press conference and said, this is awesome. <laughs> Pete's just not answering. He's so pissed he can hardly put words together. Yeah. Fitz shows up on Sunday. So does this make you regret Friday even more? <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh, it's fun. It, it's engaging. It's nice to have K-State baseball worth paying attention to because, honestly, over the last umpteen years, and you know, since they were, had the really good year in 12. Since 2013. And 13, Yeah. They have been worth even investing emotion into. There was a lot of people at the game on Sunday. I was out there. It was beautiful out. I, the announced attendance was only like 700. but It, it didn't look that full on TV. Oh, Those it, right field bleachers. That's were, where the students sit. Were empty. 
That's where the students sit. And so it, the students got to take the day off? I think the students sat with everybody else in the concourse because it's all GA now. So you don't buy tickets because there's no social distancing pods. You just go and sit down wherever. Huh. So that part's nice. We have got pods on this podcast, ironically. I'm here. You guys are over there. You guys have to observe me. That's how it works. Dudes observing the inside of his eyelids. As we wrap up this edition of the Powercat Questions Podcast, we'll be back on Friday with the overtime. I had a lot of fun with the overtime last week. I have now started adopting shows of the week. And this week, last week, it was Parks and Rec. And boy, when we talk about food eating contests and I find pizza and hot dog references in the short number of clips I went and found... It was a gold mine. I don't know what I'm going to do this week. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved. Go powercat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.